Welcome to the Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEO Podcast. I'm Martin Harshberger, President of Measurable Results, LLC, and martinharshberger.com. I'm a retired CEO of both a manufacturing company and a third-party logistics company. We were lucky enough to grow both to eight-figure organizations. I've been consulting with small and mid-tier companies for the past 16 years. Our mission with this podcast is to provide a forum to help CEOs in these critical industries share their stories, share best practices, and learn from each other. If you'd like to be a guest in our podcast, go to www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. Each interview will take about 30 minutes. Thanks for listening. Uh, welcome to Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs podcast. I'm Martin Harsberger. I'm the host. And this morning I have Patrick Curry, the CEO of Curry Companies. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Tell me a little bit about your companies, your Curry Companies. Uh, yeah, the Curry family of companies is a, a Fullerton tool, uh, which is a solid carbide round tool manufacturer. Um, but mainly, we help people with solutions for metal removal, um, end mills, drills, reamers, uh, uh, key seat cutters, saws, pretty much anything round with flutes in it we make to help people remove material and various industries, automotive, aerospace, medical, mold and dye, uh, anywhere they're, they're making parts, uh, we usually have a solution to help them. And then Endurance Carbide is a, another company in the Curry family companies, and they make uh, punches, dyes, gauges, um, wear parts, uh, form inserts, uh, um, a lot of different uh, um, burnishing type tools, stuff like that. And they pretty much make everything without flutes and they support a lot of the same industries. And then Carbro is a, a recent acquisition for the Curry family of companies. And uh, they're in uh, California, in Lawndale, uh, California. And they mainly make uh, aircraft tooling. So your uh, threaded shank adaptive tooling, uh, drill reamers, routers um, for your fiberglass and composites and a lot of the different uh, applications in the aerospace sector. So um, it's really mainly complementing companies all together. My cousin Matt and I are third generation owners and we have 50, 50% uh, ownership of Carbro and Fullerton. And uh, we decided to group the companies together to promote them together, to share some of the services that they have um, amongst each other in marketing. I was ask you that, how you sell sales. that? You sell it as a total package or do you sell it in you have individual sales groups or? We're, we're, we've actually recently um, kind of pulled it together to sell through um, the same network of uh, the sales teams that we have. So um, it gives them more tools in the toolbox, right, to, to provide solutions for our customers. How did you get started in, in, in that business? I mean, it sounds like you have a pretty wide coverage of all the tooling you need, right? Yeah, my, my grandfather started the company in 1942. So actually, we are on the property we just found out my, my my partner Matt, my cousin and I found out that this is actually the farmland, our new building for Fullerton's on the farmland that my grandfather farmed. Wow, um, long time ago. So uh, he started the comp. Actually, he grew up on a farm, a dairy farm, and and worked the land and uh, wanted to get off the farm and started several companies. So uh, one of the comp, you know, several didn't make it as as most small companies don't. But then one one that did hit was a Permajoy Toy Company. So he's actually manufacturing toys in Saginaw, Michigan. Um, and then the war hit, and he got a letter from the War Production Board saying he's using too much metal, had to use it towards a war effort. 
So that's when my grandfather uh, partnered up with some of his suppliers and tool makers here in town and um, actually started Fullerton Tool, Wolverine Tool, and Permatool. So the Department of Defense needed three competitive quotes. My grandfather was able to provide three competitive quotes, which uh, one of the companies, I guess Fullerton must have got most of the orders. So that's where we, we ended up with Fullerton Tool. That's an interesting transition from toys to tools. I guess in those days, they used to make toys out of metal. I'm old enough to remember that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Wood and metal. And so it was, uh, it, you know, every everybody, you know, like the great American manufacturer always does, we step it up when we when needed. Um, the World War II, a lot of people converted their, their plants completely over. Uh, I, I love the story about uh, the B-24 um, was being manufactured in San Diego. And at the time, uh, you know, the big three uh, was asked to help, you know, really speed up production because I think they're barely getting one plane a month. And uh, they had no blueprints. There's a million five hundred fifty thousand parts in a B-24. And the, the automobile at the time only has about at that time had 15,000 parts. They, the big three sent, you know, 400 engineers out west and they, they made drawings for every single part by the by within a little over a year, they're rolling off a B-24 every 63 minutes in Willow Run, Michigan. I hadn't read that. That's really interesting. 63 yeah. minutes? 63 Maybe. minutes they're rolling them off. So, I mean, the, the great American manufacturer, Michigan manufacturers, I mean, really stepped it up. And, and you know, we have a rich heritage of, of really, you know, just like last year, COVID hit. What can we do? Everybody came together in our community and in the state and really stepped it up and, and Hey, you need ventilator parts that converted their operations, started making ventilator parts, PPE equipment um, with local uh, manufacturer uh, makes dunnage and plastics and canoes and stuff like that. They end up making 10 million face shields. Uh, wow. But it's just amazing. The stories that there's tons of stories throughout our state of people really stepping up for COVID to support, you know, whatever we have to do to help out. So well, that's it's, one of the reasons it's just inspirational. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a big supporter of manufacturing too. I mean, I I grew up in the steel mill coal mine area back in Pennsylvania, and in industrial. My dad worked at Bethlehem for years, Bethlehem Steel, and we've kind of lost our focus on manufacturing in this country uh, a little bit. Uh, you know, it's not the glitzy place where people want to go, and, and uh, you got to put some emphasis back on it because you're exactly right. We need to be self sufficient. And stories like that are pretty cool when you when you look at the fact that we can still do that, right? Uh, oh yeah, and and I think the you know to me manufacturing is still the pulse of America. As manufacturing goes, we go. I mean, uh, luckily we still have about sixty-seven, maybe it's a little less, but close to sixty-seven percent of most medical manufacturing is still done in the United States. Um, you know, right in Kalamazoo, Michigan, is where they made a lot of the vaccines. And, it, you, you know, when it comes to the hips and knees, most of those are made in the United States and a lot of critical components that might go in your body. Um, all your, you know, heart casts and stuff like that are, are made in the United States. So we still have a pretty rich, you know, manufacturing base. And then aerospace, a lot of the tricky components and more complicated parts are still done right here in the United States and even in Michigan. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I talked to a gentleman yesterday, titanium. Uh, manufacturer for uh, medical and aerospace, just like you said. So that, that was encouraging. It's just, you don't see a lot of young people going into manufacturing at the, at the engineering and, and tooling levels 
one of the clients I had down here in, in Mississippi had a had a tool and die shop. It was as good as I've ever seen. It was amazing. And I walked in, and I was looking around, and, and everybody in the place was 50 plus. And I asked them, what are you going to do? Because there's no apprenticeships anymore. What are you going to do with, with this generation when they retire? And it's, there's nobody nobody moving into it. It was a good job in, in my day. Tool and die maker was, a, was oh, a phenomenal. There's great opportunities there in the technology with Industry 4.0 and automation and, and CNC machining is is it's just it's a fun business to be in. And I, I feel blessed. My cousin, my cousin, and I, you know, the one thing we share is a passion for this industry and and really being able to go like my my cousin's been into Apple's. Google's, you know, machine shops. I mean, they have huge machine shops. They're making all kinds of interesting stuff, trying to, trying to, you know, R and D and come up with the latest, greatest technology of everything. Um, so he's been able to go into those plants. I've been able to go into Lockheed Martin plant in Marietta, Georgia, and see a C one thirty being produced and F twenty two plane. And then uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I was in North Tonawanda um, engine plant for General Motors, where they make the Gen five and the a Corvette engine, you know, the V8, it's just, I mean, amazingly impressive. I mean, 3,500 engines a week they're making there. So to see that great manufacturing happening um, all over the country is, is exciting for me. And I think it's a great industry and to be able to help them with the tooling solution um, to make them more productive and competitive to compete globally. I mean, that's, that just makes me, you know, gives me goosebumps and gets me excited to come to work every day. Well, that's great. I mean, I, I support what you're doing for sure. No, no doubt about it. Uh, one of the questions I was going to ask you is where, where are you currently with your business after COVID? I mean, have you recovered pretty well? or, or uh, um, We're starting. Yeah, we're starting to make the recovery back on, on both the top top line sales and the bottom uh, the bottom line, which is even more important. So we're starting to catch back up from the losses of last year because it was a very challenging year for all the yeah, companies. Sure. Aerospace was down 67, 70%. And uh, we just acquired a new aerospace tooling company. And boy, that was a tough year to get through. And But they are starting to see some uptick and uh, the repair shops are all starting to, you know, get back in order. I mean, we were down to less than 200,000 flights a day when normally in 19, I think it was 2 million flights a day. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just a drastic uh, drop in uh, travel um, and airline travel. And and now, actually, I think it was January of this year. It was the first year in over, I think it was 14 months that they actually had a plus uh, side on orders because there were so many cancellations. They were usually the sales the the sales for planes was actually going in a negative uh, way every month for 14 months. So I just saw this morning in the news that over fourth, I think TSA looked at two and a half million passengers going through on the fourth of July, which was yeah, love it, love it, yeah. Agree. Uh, what should I was going to ask? What's your differentiator? What what your, what problems do you solve? But I think you pretty much covered that. I mean, you got a pretty complete. Yeah, we we have um, our differentiator really starts out with our people number one, and we have a really talented group of people that work as a team, and we like to solve problems. Um, we call it the fast Fullerton Advanced Solutions Team, and we have an R and D lab where we have a Makino. Um, you know, PS 65, uh, where we actually will machine actually got a part right now, titanium part. You're talking titanium. We just helped the customer actually come up with a program and, and really come up with the best cycle time to machine this part. They actually gave us the fixture. 
They gave us some material. We ran it on our machine so they don't disrupt production. And we were able to give them the, the, the program to run the tooling. The tooling we ran, we ran uh, three different flutes styles and a tie cutter and actually gave them the solution to, to solve their problem. So that's a differentiator for us is that we can engineer and support our customers. About half our business is special tooling. And with endurance, most of it's all specials and same with Carbro because there's a lot of special type tooling needed, niche tooling for niche applications. So do you, uh, what's your what's your success rate? I, you know, obviously, you've got some good key people there. Uh, you know, what I'm seeing across, you know, I've worked across a bunch of industries when I'm, when I'm consulting and coaching. Uh, there's a there's a definite problem with the labor force, whether getting them and, and are you seeing any of that? We, we have, um, especially challenging for the smaller companies. Carbo's a little smaller company, so is Endurance. So it's been a little more challenged for the smaller companies. And I think that's why pulling them all together um, with today's mergers and acquisitions, uh, we're, we're on the lookout for opportunities there. But it just makes us uh, have a little more big, bigger you know, company. We're still family-owned, so we're big enough to support our, you know, the biggest customers needs and, and, and issues, but we're also small enough to be flexible and, and still like have that family owned family feel. So the culture is king for us. And I think that's a differentiator too, is that, that good company culture. And we, we, we're constantly trying to improve that. And uh, we struggled a little bit on recruiting, but that's been a passion of mine for 25 years. And we've done a lot in our community to, to really step it up. We have an, a, a certified apprenticeship journeyman's program at Fullerton Tool. Um, we started doing uh, fast academy training for our customers and internally. So we have a, uh, three different levels of that. And then we, we've worked hand in hand with the, uh, we have an SME prime program with six high schools locally. We work with a lot of the um, first robotics programs in every high school in the community. And I think that's really important that people yeah, get engaged great. with them. You're getting it at the source before that, that's great. Talk, talk to me about what about the training program you talked about with you have three levels of training for your customers? Yeah, we do a, what we call fast academy. So we have uh, level one, level two, and level three. And level one is is pretty basic. It's going through geometry and key features on cutting tools and and you know getting people to understand how to utilize our website, which is very functional for our customers and give you that tool selection guide and, and help you with pricing and stuff like that for quoting. And then, then it goes into level two where it's a little more hands-on. So we actually bring them into Fullerton. They're actually getting a part or part print and they have to spec it out with the tools utilizing our website and getting the speeds and feeds that they think would best um, be the best cycle time for that part. Then we take them out in the lab and they actually run the part. So it's kind of nice to get them to do some hands-on, you know, where they actually see the results of what they decide to run that part at. So do you, probably a dumb question, but do you charge them for that? Or is that a value-add service? Or That's a value-add service because same with our R&D lab. I mean, we just expect, you know, we don't, we haven't done a contract. We're pretty much doing it on faith, but we just expect us, you know, opportunity to have that tooling business, um, and that's really what we're looking to support our customers. So it's it's more of a value add that we add to our customers. Same well, with the training. That's what I always, when I work with manufacturers, I always tell them try to look for opportunities to create value 
outside the park and try not to rely so much on price, great value, which is what you're doing. It's, it's, it's pretty impressive. I mean, I caught my attention as soon as you said that. So. Where do you think your industry is going in the next 10 years, five years? Who knows? Huh? <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, we're the round tool industry's uh, moving pretty good right now. And I think the reason for that is the technology, um, the, the CNC equipment, the fixturing is better, the sturdiness of the equipment, the holders are better. Um, they're able to run it at faster speeds and feeds that the look ahead on the computers on the, the CNC machines can, can keep up with the tool pass. So there's a lot, there's been a shift in our industry to dynamic milling, they call it, or, uh, uh, there's all kinds of, you know, trichoidal milling and, uh, peel milling. There's all kinds of different technical, technical terms or engineering terms on how it, but basically you're taking a lighter cut very quickly and there's a lot of programming that's needed well today's technology can handle that programming and all the look ahead speed that's needed so it's really put position the round tool manufacturers um, into a better position because the tool life's going to be better you'll be able to remove material faster and your tools will last longer so it's just a really good position to be in so i can see us continuing to grow everybody's worried about you know, electric vehicles, and I still think that's a ways out. Yeah. Um, but even electric vehicles, vehicles need parts machined, and, right. and and they're still going to need tooling. We also need charging stations. So we've got gas yes. stations right now. Exactly. <laughs> so, I don't know if people are looking that far ahead, but that's a, so. What you're saying really is the software, the tooling is working faster than the software, and the, the CPUs be able to keep up with it. Correct. That, that's crazy. I used to run yeah. a. HVAC manufacturing company. I had a fab, fab portion of that with you know with laser cutters by this technicals. So God, turn punches, that kind of thing. Nice. And the biggest problem I had was was finding people I could train to program because it was a little more complex then. I guess I don't know if it's better now or not, but uh, oh, it's it's, it's it's very challenging. There's not many programmers out there. It's a great career for people to consider, yeah. and um, it's it's. It's advanced. I mean, it's the, the, today's manufacturing is advanced and, and, you know, and especially in the United States, I mean, we're not, yeah, there's some dirty jobs still out there. I'm sure um, we, we still have some here, but it's not like the jobs of the old. I mean, the technology today is incredible and the programming you, you've got to be gifted on the computer and understand how to make it work and, and make it, you know, make it sing, make the machine sing, you know. And that's the message you got to get out. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, GE had a commercial. A kid was an engineer, and they asked what he was going to do. One kid was writing, we uh, call him an app, and the other kid was going to GE, worked in manufacturing. And they, were, they were questioning why would he do that. You know, I don't know if you remember that or not. But that that message, that's the message they were given. I mean, that, that's the wrong thing because you're exactly right. Manufacturing is critical, number one. Number two, the stuff you're talking about is well paid. Right? Oh, yeah. It's a great career, good benefits, um, pay is, is strong. And I think it's, you know, there's just a lot of opportunities. And I, and I always, I like people that have, you know, started at the, you know, cranking the cranks and running a, a manual bridge port or lathe and, you know, understand how the, the, the basic, you know, features work as they move up to it. And then the best engineers that I, we work with are the ones that have that hands-on experience so they don't engineer a part that 
really can't be manufactured efficiently. So they can take that in consideration when they're designing hey, something. You're right. That's interesting. Let me ask you, if you go back in time when you first started, how long ago was that? I don't know how long you've been with this company. Almost 30 years ago. Um, I, I went to Central Michigan University and, and I actually started out, I was going to be a conservation officer and, and I really love the outdoors. I love hunting and fishing. So, uh, but I started working in a shop for my dad and my uncle. Um, and I really enjoyed the atmosphere. I enjoyed manufacturing and I enjoyed the people here. So, um, I, I shifted, uh, after, especially after I found out that usually typically a DNR job has 2,500 people apply for it and only one or two get hired. So, um, but I really enjoy manufacturing and, and, and fell in love with it. And, uh, switched my major into industrial engineering and production management and um, started working uh, right away into the company and um, really enjoyed every step of the way because it, you know, I, I got exposed to inspection and engineering and spent time in all those areas and, and then got into the estimating quoting area, office management and and then started hitting the, the road in sales um, and then even started pushing the international side a little bit because there's a lot of great international opportunities for us out there, too. So um, that's been exciting for me because I, I do enjoy traveling and and being able to see manufacturers all over the world. So that's fun. It's cool. Yeah, I did the same thing. I travel a lot and I love going into companies and looking, seeing how they're doing things. I mean, I've done it. I tell you, probably 45 years or so <laughs> for a long time. Was there anything you'd done differently from the time you were a kid till now? I I kind of wish I would have, like, um, my cousin and I have been talking about putting, like, a family creed type together where we, you know, if any of my kids get in the business, maybe they spend, you know, two to three years outside of the business. Um, and I kind of wish I would have done that. And I, I, I was working on an opportunity to work for a local distributor and going to the sales end of it for a little bit before I started working here full time. And I think that that would have helped me um, understand the industry even better. And then also give me some skill set that I could bring it, you know, to the table working for a, another company in a family business. So I think it's important to do stuff like that and maybe even think that stuff out before that next generation comes into the, into the companies. That's a good point. It really is a good point. I mean, obviously it worked out well for you, but you didn't have the exposure. That's a, that's a, that's an excellent point. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I, I just, I mean, I think it seems like they, you know, it slowed up a little bit the last month probably. And um, I'm not sure why, but uh, I mean, we feel that, that things are just ready to burst and a lot of good opportunities out there. Um, if anybody's looking to get in an exciting industry where you're, you're not just dealing with one industry, we're in automotive, aerospace, medical, mold and dye. Like, like I said, anywhere they're making parts, uh, it's fun. It's exciting. And I think it's a great industry to be part of. And I would encourage anybody to consider it as a career option. Great, great advice, really. I support that for what it's worth. <laughs> How can people get in touch with you? Uh, best way is probably go to our website, uh, at Fullerton's website has a career page, um, but www.fullertontool.com. And that would be a good place or, uh, endurance carbides website as well. Um, or Carbros, but, uh, Fullerton has, we're trying to funnel most of the, the, their, um, recruitments and 
applications through the Fullerton website. All right. Listen, I appreciate your time. I enjoyed talking to you. It's, it's interesting. You've done a lot there. And, uh, no, it's exciting. Uh, faith in manufacturing to hear these stories to tell you the truth. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, there's, I, again, I think we're still the world's best manufacturer uh, when it comes to full time equivalent to, you know, dollars out the door. I don't think US can be beat yet today. We're still number one. And, and that's just because of the ingenuity and the passion that Americans have in manufacturing. So it's, yeah, stay there. it's great industry. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. If you're a successful CEO in manufacturing or supply chain and would like to be part of the program, please visit www.martinharsberger.com apply. If you got some value out of the interview, please share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that would make a great guest, tag them and let them know about the show. Again, our mission is to focus on manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. We'd like to share your story and provide industry trends and updates that would interest our listeners. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and interviews go a long way in promoting the show. You can connect with me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Martin Harshberger. Or through my website, www.martinharshberger.com. Again, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening.